Hello and welcome back to To the Infinity Saga and Beyond, a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan podcast. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and with me, as always, is a wanted man from Madripoor, Logan Stump. Well, hello. And one of the Flag Smasher leaders, Matt Hargrove. Oh, thank you. They're strong. I want to be like them. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and you're about the same soldier. you're about the same height as uh, as that carry uh <laughs> leader as well. Yeah, that also makes sense. <laughs> I just thought of that. Um you know, we are talking The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode three, Power Broker, directed by Carrie Scogland and written by Derek Kolstad. It premiered April second of twenty. 21 on Disney Plus. A little fun fact here: Derek Kolstad is actually the writer and creator of the John Wick franchise. So there you go. He he wrote a lot of action in those movies, and uh, he wrote a lot of action in this episode. Here's the synopsis: Sam and Bucky go to a criminal safe haven to find information about the super soldier serum logan give me your initial thoughts of episode three power broker it's like the perfect setup episode uh halfway through a series really getting your background really getting some interesting characters coming in and playing parts that i was excited for i was really excited to see zemo of course but um you know kind of alluded to that last episode that it was when it was ending it showed him that berlin cell but it was yeah, I really liked this one. I, it was a nice story filler. It gave me a lot of different aspects um, on the Flag Smashers and everything else, too. You get kind of that background. Um, but yeah, it, it really was. It was a it was a good episode, and, and it kind of a nice little holdover for, for next week when it starts to get a little bit crazier just because all this stuff is going on and um, got a cliffhanger, so that was awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked this episode. I, th- I thought it was well-written. I thought that the action scenes were fantastic, and you got a lot of good background information. Matt, give me your first thoughts on, or initial thoughts on Power Broker. Uh, yeah, it, uh, pretty similar to Logan's, actually. Like, it, it did feel very much like a, a perfect transition episode for the last few episodes of the season. Um, always enjoy, you know, how a show brings in a, like, ca- uh, famous character kind of from the past or something uh, in a TV show where you kind of have to just get that move from the beginning over into the end to kind of see how the show's ending. Um, so yeah, it, it was a really, really good transition episode. I don't think it was the the best episode so far of the series. I still think episode two was. Um, but I, I really enjoyed watching Bucky, Sam, and Zemo together. I thought their like chemistry between the three of them was was oddly really, really good for such a, a big villain that we haven't even seen since... What was it Civil War? <laughs> so um, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I, I love the introduction of the characters with Zemo and Sharon, which I know we'll get into. But uh, it was a, it was a really good episode. Um, and it just continued to make me excited for next week. So I watched episode two and three back to back because Joy, my wife, had not seen <clears throat> episode two due to our power outage last week that I had to watch it the morning before we... Uh, before we record it. Um, and I think this show just gets better and better each episode. I think this is actually my favorite one so far after watching them back to back. I loved the action in it. I think Zemo gave me so much more than I was ever expecting Zemo to give me here. I think he was just a scene stealer in this um in this episode and 
man, I'm I'm really excited for what what's going to go forward here. I think, um, you know, they even kind of made me really like the flag smashers a bit, like understand where they're coming from, you know, until they blow up uh, some innocent people. Uh, but uh, before that, I felt like I was really starting to understand where they were uh, coming from a bit. And I guess let's get, let's get deeper into this episode here. Um, unbeknownst to uh, is how Wikipedia d- decides this. Uh, let, let me just, I'm not going to read right from the Wikipedia here, but so this episode starts off with Bucky visiting Zemo and we get Zemo either testing the reaction of Bucky's, uh, you know, Bucky's reaction to the, you know, magic words, uh, when he was a winter soldier, or he was actually, you know, just giving it a shot to see if he's able to get out of there, I guess. Um, and, you know, Bucky says they don't work anymore, but Bucky helps break Zemo out of prison. So this was, uh, I, I thought, one, his exchange here with uh, Sam was really great, I think, when he's like, let me walk you through a hypothetical, right? <laughs> and we get this uh, explanation of, well, maybe, you know, somebody gets into a fight, right? And these many guards have to respond and this and this and this. And we see that, you know, all work out to where Zemo's able to walk out of there in a prison guard uniform and show up at the, I guess, like car, wherever he keeps his cars and uh, meet up with Sam and Bucky there. Uh, Logan, any thoughts here on uh, Bucky breaking Zemo out of prison? I thought maybe they would put him in his custody, but no, they actually had to <laughs> break him, uh, break him out. Yeah, I really like the back and forth between um, between Sam um, and uh, God. What the heck, uh, Bucky? Sorry, the vaccine must be getting to me. Um, <laughs> uh, Bucky and Sam, I think, are really good in this scene because you you've got sam who is i think really battling with the idea that like you know that zemo's in there and then he you know they put him in there because steve wanted him in there and you know you have those altercations between them and they don't get along obviously um and then sam's like hey you know Bucky, we really need to just keep him in there and bucky's like no we like we're gonna need as much help as we can get and he you know, this whole episode is setting up the fact, and Zemo says it. Is it in this scene where he? I mean, not not to spoil anything going forward, but is this the episode or the the part of the episode where he talks about how like they they need him there, and then Zemo comes out and goes, "I can still see that there's some of that Winter Soldier in you." Is that the scene that um, I think it's like right at the beginning of this? I want to say it is, like that when they're talking in be. the garage. Because he kind of goes, he's alluding, it's either that or when they get on a plane, and he alludes to the fact that Bucky, I think Zemo still sees the Winter Soldier and Bucky some, and I think that that Zemo thinks, you know, because he's still, he's still kind of conniving, and I think he still sees Bucky as a threat that he could use as an asset. Um, but no, I, I really like the scene, it's that, again, uh, Sam much more of a rule follower than Bucky, and Bucky's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see us being able to do this alone, we need help. And they're going to have to go get help from that kind of anti-hero figure. But no, I really like this scene. It gives, again, a lot between Bucky and Sam. And you can still tell they're just not as close as you'd like them to be. Yeah, uh, Matt, you know, I think Bucky lays it out perfectly to Sam. Like, hey, you know, when, when Steve didn't sign the Accords, that was breaking the law. You joined him there for me. Like, it was for Bucky mm-hmm. and for and for Steve. Uh, so he's asking him to do it again. And I thought, uh, I thought he laid that out really well, Matt. what do you think about, uh, Bucky's argument here? He, I know he's your guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I understood where he was coming from with it. I think, I think you kind of saw the difference between, I feel like it's a bit of a difference between Sam and Bucky where I think Sam is still trying to be a little bit more so on the, the Steve Rogers side of, we have to do not to a full extent, but he wants to do it more in the morally correct way. I feel where Bucky is more so 
no, like we, you can't be that way if you're going to get into this game in this, in this sense. So we're going to have to, I'm going to show you what we got to do. Like we got to break out this incredibly evil villain who I hate, you hate, you know, obviously tons of other people hate, but if we're going to do this and not go the route that is a little bit more acceptable, we're going to have to do it in this manner. And I, I, I understood where Bucky was as well, where he's like, listen, you, you did this once. You kind of went against the grain. The, the one time that really Steve kind of went against what was probably governmentally correct. I know it's not a word, but he's like, listen, you, you know what you got to do. And Sam, this is, what, this is what Steve probably would have looked at, at to an extent. I feel like Steve would have been more on Bucky's side of all of this if he was around. Um, even though he probably hates Zemo just as much as they do, but I, I think you have to trust Bucky to an extent. And he's, he's basically trying to tell him, trust me, I know this is not the best way to go about it. And we could definitely get in trouble. This is not a great idea in terms of, you know, our, I don't know if it's like the legality of it, but he's like, you, you helped me once by doing this, help me again, because me helping you is going to also help us deal with the whole you know, John Walker situation and the super soldiers. He, he just, to me, when, when he said it, I was like, yeah, I, I agree with Bucky here. Like I, I have to go with him on his side. Cause it seems like he knows how to handle the underground dirty work a lot better than, than Sam does because of their backgrounds basically. Yeah. And uh, man, let me just say, Again, I I just have to give props here to to Zemo who just comes in right after this scene and pretty much, you know, steals steals the episode for the rest of the time. Um you know, we we eventually get his uh his uh you know, his name as as being a his title as being a baron, you know, in the comics he's known as Baron Zemo. And that he's rich, right? And that he has like familial wealth uh, that comes with that title. And he's got a plane. He's got all these cars. That's one thing they're like, where are we? He's like, oh, this is where like I keep my cars or whatever. And he grabs his purple ski mask out of the back of one of the one of the vehicles. Um, and, uh, you know, he they want to travel to Madripoor, which I just want to highlight here. Madripoor is a island in the Southeast Asia, not in real life, but in Marvel Comics. Uh, so it is a, as they said, lawless place that was originally a safe haven for pirates and is now continued that tradition as being lawless uh, now. And it's like a, you know, principality, uh, as it states here, that does not allow nations to extradite criminals which is what we'll hear uh, later in the episode as well and it's very nice like futuristic looking i don't know futuristic very neon you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of the south korea scene in uh, black panther uh which was one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie but it mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of that vibe and i thought this is great and madripoor is actually a very mostly known for its association with uh, Wolverine and other X-Men. So pretty cool that they're bringing that into here. Um, so in real life, it would kind of be near Indonesia, Malaysia is where Thailand, Vietnam, kind of in that area um, near Singapore is where that's from. Uh, what did uh, Logan, what'd you make of Madripoor and its lawlessness? Because man, they were just going around carrying like all types of weapons. It's uh, it was like the South United States. <laughs> it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Zam Wessel, like when she gets shot down in Star Wars. And oh, yes, an attack of kind of rough, yeah, uh, area. That's another great, but no, yet. like. I did. It, it did. It feel. It felt very much like outlaws, like people that um, were bad people, and that's where they all gather. It kind of had. And uh, to be honest with you, when Zemo and Winter Soldier and Falcon go in, it kind of reminded me of like a Han Solo ish kind of moment where you know they they're all looking yes. at them like, who are they? Uh, oh, and oh, kind of like Solo when yeah. they go meet Lando for the first time. Right. Remember they went into that like boxing yep. uh, place yep. uh, where the droids were fighting or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of like when Mando does too. I mean, it, it had a lot of remnants of that. Like that whole town just reminded me of my report reminded me of um, Star Wars a little bit, just because of the lights and everything. And you have like the the wealthy and the poor, and it kind of had that weird mix in between of the outlaws. Um, and I thought that they depicted that pretty well because they she point or they or Zemo points up towards the the northern the northern part and says that's where like the rich people are, um, which I think is where the power broker ends up obviously being is what he's alluding to um but no it was a really good scene i loved i, I love the fact that uh, they had to go back into kind of characters they had to play that weren't um falcon and winter soldier what did sam say who who was he supposed to be rep- it was um what was the smiling guy's name? tiger yes yeah, smiling yes and he goes well, that's kind of a lame nickname <laughs> because, you know, just kind of playing on the fact like he's called Falcon. And, you know, I think he's playing part on that whole like that's a stupid superhero name, um, whereas mine's kind of cool. But no, I love this scene. This is this is probably my favorite scene that um, probably in the whole series so far. I, I love this scene so much. It did have the Star Wars feel. It had the, you know, Winter Soldier kind of being Winter Soldier again, where he's just kind of a mindless asset. So. I really like the way that this set up the rest of the episode. Yeah, just uh, just to clarify here too, Smiling Tiger is actually a real Marvel Comics character, um, like superhero villain type. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't say superhero. I guess he was a soldier in the Vietnam War, which makes sense if you're looking at Madripoor because Vietnam's right around where that would be. And uh, yeah, he's got. Uh, some powers that are let me see how it says uh he's unable to speak and uh, so he mostly grunts but is fully aware and able to take orders from others he's been a bad guy to the um uh yeah against the new warriors and he's also been alongside the thunderbolts which zemo has been parts of before in the comics so it is uh some pretty deep marvel connections there, Matt, what'd you take away from the scenes in Madripoor and uh, the lawlessness of it all? Almost, uh, not really much of the lawlessness, but I, I just thought the scenes were so incredibly well done in terms of a, like the perspective of somebody watching it, not someone like myself who has a lot of knowledge about film or settings, but it's similar to how Logan kind of said about the Star Wars feel to it. The the scenes itself were, they were amazing to look at. And it, it felt very, I'm trying to think of like, it had like this feel of a, a, of a movie that was, I'm trying to think of like the best way, like almost like kind of set somewhat in the future is like future. Ready player one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. like that one. I, I, I love that movie too. Like it had like this feel of it. You were just not watching just the like TV Blade show. Runner. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just looked like you felt like you were watching three, it really did feel like a scene where you're watching three guys undercover in an area that, you know, they aren't really exactly known in or know much about and trying to find somebody or do something that is completely against, I guess, the law where they're at. But it, it, it just really felt like the perfect place to have the scene where they're trying to find Selby and figure out a little bit more about the super soldier serum. So I, I the whole scene, so I was just really excited to see what would happen. I know, we end up getting to the, the bar scene with, um, you know, where basically Zemo's running it. And it was kind of interesting to see the two guys who, you know, they broke him out, obviously. Well, I mean, Bucky broke him out, but they broke out this criminal. And now they're kind of taking the, they're taking a step back and having him lead them through this scenario. And I was kind of watching it like a big, big fan of Zemo during the whole thing going, please just don't don't screw them over. Don't screw them over. Like, I really want to like uh, yeah, you, Zemo. Yeah, and I yeah, was like, yeah. please, please just don't do it. And I know, you know, in the end, we'll, you know, that's obviously I'm not as concerned about it anymore, but that's how I was watching the whole scene. I was like on edge, like, okay, what's going to happen? Is somebody going to spot them? And they kind of recognized Bucky too, as the winter soldier. And I was like, what's that going to mean? Like, is there going to be a fight? Like, is he walking them into a death trap? You know, what's happening here? Um, so I, I, the whole scene had me on edge, but for incredibly good reasons. Yeah, it does make me wonder, too, because somebody was videoing that fight with the Winter Soldier uh, with Bucky. So I wonder if that's going to get posted online and people are going to be like, "Uh oh, is he bad again? Um, I think the coolest quote was uh, it, Zemo like pointing like when he's talking about the city and he's and they're asking like who the power broker is. And he goes, he's the judge, jury and the executioner. 
I was like, oh, yeah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as we're walking up to this bar here, we actually see uh, Sharon then. You know, she kind of walks away with her hood up um, and kind of walks away from the bar. And I'm guessing this is when she's, like, leaving. She's she's like, oh. It's uh, almost like that. <laughs> it reminds me of... Reminds me of sometimes when I'm in the mall and I recognize somebody from high school <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if they recognize me and I don't want to acknowledge... I don't want to have to acknowledge yep. them or have a conversation, so I just yep. try to walk away. <laughs> That's what it reminded me That's of. Like Sharon, Sharon's now. like, flips her hood up, and she's like, nope, I'm getting out of here. Um, Yeah, but we get this scene where they're like, okay, we want to, we like, we demand to talk with Selby, right? Uh, and, they, and they go up there, and uh, she reveals that the power broker has hired former Hydra scientist Dr. Wilfred Nagel to recreate the super soldier serum. And uh, we get kind of a tense scene here where I I almost thought they were going to pull it off where Sam gets a call from his sister, Sarah, and he tries to play it off. I was laughing so much during this though. You know, it's (laughs) tense, you know, when he's like, yeah, all that money we're laundering or whatever. And she's like, what are you talking about? It's like, (laughs) I'm going to kill him. Like to the bank person. She's like, then she yells at her kid to like clean up the mess. Um, yeah, they almost they almost made it through Logan without uh, their cover being blown here. Yeah, and I just, it is. It's like that whole moment where it's that obvious where you go into a room, they call you back in that back room, and then you've got Falcon uh, Winter Soldier standing on both sides, and Zemo's kind of running the show, and they're kind of just arms in front of them, kind of like, okay, don't don't flinch, don't screw it up. Don't do something stupid. I, I actually liked that Selby, like, that was brilliant. And she, she was just like, answer the phone. I want to hear whoever that is that's calling you. Because she she did. She felt very weird about it. And I think she was the one that notices, or a couple times they noticed that that Bucky got a haircut. Like, they were like, hey, your hair got cut. Yeah, like, That's yeah. kind of a weird, and kind of looking at him like, I don't know. But again, this... This whole you mean setup. The Winter Soldier whole... can't get a haircut. Right, <laughs> right. This whole this whole setup too is brilliant because it, it just shows how great of an. I don't know who the actor is that plays Zemo, um, but he was brilliant. This whole Daniel episode, Brew. yeah, just unbelievable. Um, the way that he just kind of carries his, you know, the voice that he carries and and the ideas that he carries and going up to you know Winter Soldier and offering Winter Soldier to Selby of she agrees to tell him about the serum and you know, it was, it was a really good episode. I, I, I was along with you, Jordan. I was just laughing the whole time. Cause <laughs> Sam, Sam is, he, he has such a hard time staying serious, uh, which is always funny to me. Uh, yeah. And Matt, he, uh, Zemo offers, obviously not for real. He offers Bucky and the code words to her to try to get this information. And, uh, she seems very interested, you know, uh, she wants, uh, who could, you know, who wouldn't be able to use a Sebastian Stan at their beck and call, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that kind of shows where he's, it, it, it does make it seem as though he's still an incredibly valuable commodity as a, as a killer to a lot of people in the, I guess like the underground, type of setting do they ever really say like what it really is you know like is, is it just just the lower half of this i mean i know that it's like the lower half of the city but like it, it's like the underground type of you know spy espionage type of setting you know with with call people for hits and stuff i don't, I don't know exactly what it, i know here we call it probably like the dark web or something but just in person um but yeah it, it does it shows how much of a commodity he really is and how dangerous people still see him as because he really is just kind of not around for so long and yet people still are scared of him and are noticing him and just the offer of hey here are the code words you don't even know if they work I could be setting you up but that like really got her excited about the deal like I it's almost like she took this unknowing of if this would actually work as a yeah, like, let's do it. Like, I, I'm all in just because you're going to give me some words that might work on this guy who's a professional killer when he is under that trance. And I don't know. I, it, it seemed very, it still worried me because I was still sitting there going like, 
I, I don't want to think these work. Like, I really don't want to think these work. But they played it off so well that even on a TV show where I'm sitting there going, they definitely don't work. I was kind of going, is there something we don't know? Like, I'm scared. Like, is, is are they going to say these words and then he's going to return back to the Winter Soldier even though I know it won't work? And I, I just thought that it just shows how good of an act, like how good of a job they're doing writing and acting and portraying the characters in the show that it, it still made you worried that something might happen with them. Yeah, it was, um, it, it was like one thing that stood out to me as, as a question that I have now is do people recognize Falcon, right? We saw that last, last week. Um, in America, at least, right? Do people know that Bucky has turned hero and was pardoned in other parts of the world? I think that's a question I have because to this, it makes it seem like they don't, right? Like he's just saying, like he's dropping the words Winter Soldier and all this, and people are like, oh, it's the Winter Soldier, like cool. And I don't think that, I think that shows that maybe people outside of, America don't really know that he has turned a new page, right? What what do you what do you think of that, Logan? Do you think people outside of because like it seemed like in this area, I'm not sure if maybe they just don't have the news in Madripoor. You know, if they're too busy going around making these lawless deals uh, that they're not paying attention to the news. But uh, it, to me, it makes it seem like maybe in some of these parts of the world, nobody has heard that he has turned hero. Yeah, I know. I, it's weird because it's, um, and I think you're like, it's interesting to point out that I think that some of the times in this law, in these lawless places that even the bad guys look good. Um, and I think Zemo too, like, it's so weird because I don't know, maybe Zemo feels like he ended up in a bad spot because he was, he did horrible things. And, and then he kind of, you know, he's kind of like that redemption for himself. Um, and, and we get later, like there's something later that we can mention that um, kind of shows that he's he's still got some bad in him, but I think he he is trying to become good. And it, like you said, I think there's a bunch of people in these places that are just trying to, I guess, maybe wrong some rights, but not doing it in a way because they don't know how. I, I don't feel like these kind of villains know exactly how to wrong rights that they, you know, or right wrongs that they've done. Um, and he he's an example of one. And I think. Also, I think that, you know, you, you also have Sharon that's hiding out there um, for that reason as well, because she's she's running away from the government, too. And it, it just seems like this is the place where people are trying to hit a restart or at least just hide until they get an opportunity to kind of clear their names. But Zemo is no exception to that really either, I don't think. So we get uh, we get, you know, this uh, they have somebody kills selby are we assuming this was sharon that killed her um yeah i felt like it was <laughs> I think yeah so. that's, that's what i was saying somebody just fired in there killed selby while they're starting to you know start a fight here and they have to start escaping you know they get back into the alleys and and sharon snipes a few others for them and uh it then she seemed like she wanted to take out zemo they had to kind of talk her down from that uh we see a whole different Sharon in this uh, episode, Matt, don't you think she was kind of uh, very different from when we last saw her in, in Civil War? <laughs> she seemed she seemed very pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> she scared me. Um, she, yeah, she. I I'm trying to think of like the best way to describe her, I, other than like angry or pissed off. She just seemed like she she almost kind of seemed like she was not thrilled with just the entire superhero avenger aspect of everything um because i know she she did a lot of stuff to put her put her name on obviously a, a dangerous list with the stealing back of the shield and of uh, falcon's equipment um it does seem kind of odd as though why i understand she wants she's trying to you know build her life outside of america and like stay away from the whole situation but it, it is interesting that you know, she wasn't able to get any type of, you know, forgiveness or pardon, whereas, like, the Avengers did. So, like, is there something that we're missing on that end where she – did she just not want to go back? Like, she doesn't even care if she – I had like, I had the same to? question. I had the same question. It, 
and I but think then, yeah but then at the end though yeah, she's like you're gonna get me that, that part in or like you're you're gonna get me back and I was like I'm confused as to what her reasoning is other than she's just really enjoying where she is in Madripoor because she's making all this money off of artwork and I actually thought that was one of the funniest scenes was um Falcon Bucky and uh, Sam Bucky and Zemo talking about like artwork and how most of it's fake and Sam's like, no way. Yeah. And then Bucky's just like, you can search it. <laughs> um, I, I just thought that was kind of funny. It, it could just kind of show Sam in more of an innocent light, whereas Zemo and Bucky are like, listen, there's so much more about this criminal underground thing you don't even know, other than like what's happened with the Avengers and you know the big three. Um, so I, I did really enjoy that scene. But it, it just was intriguing because I just didn't understand why she would stay other than she's really enjoying the life of a somewhat of a criminal and, and, and just really having fun with it. So here's the explanation that somebody provided online uh, as like a fan theory, I guess. And I totally buy it because I think it just makes sense that, uh, look, she ran off right at, at the end of civil war. It doesn't seem like she joined Steve and, um, Nat's uh, team, right, of people that were on the run, or Steve and, um, you know, Sam and, and everybody that was on the run after uh, Civil War, and that she, look, I, I think Bucky was pardoned for his efforts in Infinity War and Endgame, right? And Sharon never came back for that. Like, she was still. She wasn't part of that final battle. So I think that's probably why she was not pardoned. Um, she was still just on the run, I guess. And uh, nobody pardoned her because, like, Bucky got pardoned because, you know, he came back in Infinity War from his time in Wakanda where he was kind of hidden secretly. Nobody really knew him that he was there. So Winter Soldier was just kind of gone. He still had this warrant out for his arrest, probably. And then when he came back and helped take down, uh, you know, Thanos, everybody that helped was probably pardoned. Sam, you know, Nat, uh, Steve, Bucky, Sam, all of, the, all of them. I'm not sure who I said already. <laughs> and then uh, for her, since she never came back, I'm guessing they were like, eh, well, oh, well, <laughs> she's not getting pardoned. <laughs> Uh, I think Steve also, you know, probably didn't have too much say in this because I don't think they pardoned everybody until after Endgame, and he was already old at that point. Who knows, you know, he actually, like, when he went back with Peggy, it was actually an alternate reality, you know, like, through the wormhole. It's not the same, and he had to come back through that to give Sam the shield, so I'm not sure if he stayed in our reality after that, or if he went back and if he did, then yeah, he would have no say to be like, Oh yeah, we should probably help Sharon who is my now my niece from a different universe, right? Like it's not his actual niece. It is a niece through marriage in a alternate timeline. <laughs> it's kind of confusing when you think about it like that. Um, but yeah, I was, I was kind of, um, surprised that she was not part in as well but i think just the fact logan that she was not part of this final battle is is probably what did her in what do you think um so i've read uh i don't know if we, this is something that we get into but like uh i'd read that and it makes sense now that i think back to the episode that sharon carter is the power broker because if you think about it the art thing when she walks into her like I guess apartment she's talking about brokering art and that none of the art is real. And that's what, I mean, obviously what brokers do. So to think that she is the one that's operating all this and she's the one that, again, that she's, she's that jury. She's the executioner. She, she, I, I think killed Selby. Like, I, I think that that's, that's gotta be, that's I, I know that. And I know that, um, I know that the power broker is usually like, it's usually a man. It's like Curtis something. Um, yeah, he's, he's usually the power broker, yeah. right? And I think he's more like robotic, like he sits in like a robot. But they also said that that could that could open the door to have Sharon Carter be the power broker because if you really think about it, you know, those years that she's gone and with the snap and everything, 
that she's been running everything since she's kind of abandoned ship and not with the, the Avengers at all. Um, and running this kind of town that, and, and then, then it makes sense. Like, uh, do you know, do we know who that lady was that picks her up in the car? Not to my goes, knowledge. We've got problems and there's two of them and I, or a couple of them. And I think she was referring to Bucky and Sam, I, I think. So that that's what uh, it was interesting because I read that somewhere too. It was like Sharon Carter could be the the power broker. It was like, huh? That'd like, be interesting that, because interesting. you know this wouldn't be the first time that the MCU adapts something mm-hmm. by a title and changes it around. You know um, that yeah, I could see them doing that. That's a and that's what I was going to ask uh, later on was what do we think her deal is here? But since you brought it up, I guess we can just talk about it now. Matt, do we think the power broker is just going to be somebody that is, you know, who they are in the comics? Or is it a chance for the MCU to bring back a different character or even, like Logan said, make it Sharon? Um, hmm. Hearing Logan's, uh, what Logan had read, that sounds, that sounds more likely than any of the other options. Because it, it does make a little bit of sense as we, you know, we don't see the power broker. We we see her. I was actually having the same interesting thoughts about that. We had got two problems. They're like, we got problems and there's two of them. I was like, the only two things that could be the problem here are Bucky and Sam. Like, that, that seems like the only ones. And, um, and now that I'm thinking it, too, just before I let you finish there. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, she She never goes in to see the doctor. Right. Right. Like yep. not until he's already shot by Zemo that we'll see later, but like, that's for her to be like, we got to go. But before that, like she kind of stays out of that. So that's, that's what I'm like. Point. Could somebody have recognized her maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely interesting to see what they do with it because I, you know, there's obviously the chance that we don't hear much about power broker again. Like I, I know that sounds probably, it's probably unlikely because the um, flag smashers also play a role with the power broker because it sounds like he, whoever the power broker is is completely against the flag smashers, um, based off of what uh, Carly says. Because well, goes also because like they stole plan. their yeah, they, they stole, stole their the super stuff, serum. Yeah. So I, right now, if I had to put, if I had to guess, or if you said like, hey, you have to bet on one of these possibilities for the power broker, Sharon feels like the most likely scenario. Which obviously we know in Marvel sense could mean pretty much nothing because of all the theories we went through in WandaVision that you saw people have, um, like none of them came true for the most part. So will we know? Not certain, but I, I have to feel like Sharon's power broker right now, and that's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna watch the next episode, assuming. Interesting. I think she's not the power broker. I, I do think maybe she has. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not buying it yet, just because I think that'd be such a huge turn for her. So we'll I'll I'll wait on that. But I do think there's definitely something up with her, and um, because I'm just trying to think why she would want the super soldier serum. Then, you know, like why would she have been financing creating this? Other than you know, like, I, I don't know. I guess you could say for money reasons, right? I mean, it is what it is. Uh, so I'm not really sure on that. Um, maybe she has a, I mean, this would be nuts, but maybe she has a deal with like Walker and them to, to you know, obviously it might've been stemmed from the fact that she knew something was coming where she'd have to give somebody the serum that wanted. But they it. haven't given Walker the serum yet. I guess. Yeah. It's just interesting because it's like, where would that, like you said, I don't, that's the only reason why. And the other thing too is Marvel likes to do that with you. They's like, oh, let's make it look like that's somebody that's. I think maybe the power broker can be set up as, like, I think you're right, Matt. It could be possibly that we don't even hear of them again in this show or like see them, but that it could be set up for another show or another, you know, where they appear in something else. So let's, I'm not ruling that out yet, you know, that maybe they're just they drop that line like, oh, okay, comic fans will know what that means, but we're not going to reveal it yet. We're going to show the power. You you could really go two different ways with that, like that they're going to reveal it to be somebody from the comics, right? 
like I like I said in the thing, like, okay, it is really this Curtis guy or whatever. Or two, uh, we're going to adapt it and make it a character we already know, which would fall in line with Sharon, right? Or three, we're just not going to reveal it yet. We're going to reveal who that is later um, and set them up for something else. So I think those are the three options of what we got. And uh, I'm kind of on the fence for all of them right now. I'm not... Uh, uh, look, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people that just that, that buys into the theory and then when the show doesn't turn out, throw a fit like WandaVision people did. Uh, that was a mess. Um, but I, 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 Logan, I do think you brought up good points of Sharon. I do think it is weird. She didn't, you know, she kind of hung out outside, but also the power broker was the one that sent the people after them to, right? So then she would have been killing her own yeah. people. So I'm not, I'm not yeah. really sure on that right now. Well, that's but, the other thing too. Like there's, very I, like, you might know Jordan. Um, cause like I was reading up on it some, cause I got interested in it. And I think it said that the power broker, this would make sense. Like Matt said, um, that the power broker has connections with, uh, he appears in Hawkeye some, I think like what I was reading is like, he's yes, got some in, kind of connection with of, Hawkeye. Uh, I think he was in um, one of the, uh, I think he was in the Hawkeye comic run that they're basing the show off of. So, I mean, again, that could be, okay, they're setting it up for Hawkeye, right? I mean, we don't know. Pretty uh, pretty cool, though, if, if that's the case. Um, okay, what else happened here? Um... Okay, so yeah, the doctor, right? He says he recreated 20 doses of the serum, which is what was stolen. We know that eight people, right, have had it at least taken because there was eight of the Flag Smashers that were super soldiers that they battled last time. So maybe there's 20 of them out there, right? I mean, I guess we don't know. Uh, But Zemo grabs a gun, right? And he shoots the doctor because he's very anti-super soldier serum and he doesn't want that research to continue. And it sounds like that this guy was the only one that was able to figure out how to do it. So it seems like that should put an end to any future super soldier serum stuff for the time being. Uh, you know, I really liked his description of the super soldier. Like I like the doctor talking about how he wanted to like concentrate it where it wasn't going to make you bulky and like, like yeah. looks superhuman. Yeah. I don't. I just really liked his description of how he was able to take the super soldier serum, like DNA, almost. And no machines. And, you don't have to yeah, get like, in that like coffin. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, it was like just kind of cool to listen to him talk about it. And I was like, dang, like this guy. I don't know who this guy really is because he's probably gonna die here soon, which you know he did. I didn't feel like he had a good no. shot. Yeah. I didn't feel like he had a good shot making it either way. Um, but I don't know. It was just kind of cool to hear him talk about it and say how he wanted to make it his own and like he wanted a super soldier serum where you're just a regular looking human. And it, it shows how well it worked because none of those trap flag smashers. I don't know. I was going to say drag. I don't know. I was flag smashers. None of them look big. Like they all just look like they look like their normal right. human state and you would never guess. And you actually saw that with Bucky when he got like punched out of the truck by Carly. Cause he, he was looking at this like, little girl he he feels and is getting captured and then all of a sudden just punched right out like right into the back of the other or front of the other truck yeah this was um i thought the doctor is really an excellent actor i thought i thought he was really good um so unfortunately zemo kills him and uh, then that like what knocks him over it knocks some stuff over the lab is destroyed or was it like somebody fired a shot i can't remember how it, it was a rocket launcher oh like, rocket, yeah, launcher, the yeah, rocket uh, launcher like blows it up uh so you know then they're all on the road well, let's say all, during this whole time that they're in there with the doctor sharon carter is just kicking ass the whole time <laughs> outside of there i mean i was like dang sharon you're uh you're going all out um you know, she did that in, in Winter Soul. I mean, in Civil War as well. You know, she had some good fights. But, man, this was uh, this was something else. This was uh, incredible. Uh, just really Super well Soldier filmed. Super Serum? Maybe she had one of them? Oh, maybe. <laughs> you never know, I guess. Um, yeah, she uh, she just kicks all the bad guys' 
asses. And then we get uh, we get Bucky putting a dang <laughs> pull through somebody's shoulder. <laughs> I don't know how many times during this episode. This is how you know it was really well directed too by Carrie Scoglin. How many times during this episode when something like that happened, and I was like, "Ooh, ah, oh. <laughs> I was like, I could not <laughs> like, ouch. That all seems like it would hurt. And uh, pretty, pretty brutal fights um, for something on Disney Plus. I, I really enjoyed all of that. And like I said, Bucky just put somebody a pole through somebody's shoulder that like sticks them to the <laughs> impales their shoulder and gets them, I guess, stuck onto the one of the uh, tractor trailer boxes or whatever they're called. Um, and then we get, uh, you know, Zemo. It looks like he's escaping, right? It looks like he's leaving them. And he uh, he comes back. Well, one, he's got to get his purple hood on, right? He gets his purple hood on. And then he goes and, and starts uh, destroying the remaining people that are shooting at them. And uh, th- then more are coming, right? And they all have to run away and they hide in one of the tractor trailer things and then uh, he opens up one and he sees something we don't see right and he's like oh hello right and then he drives around and and asks them to get in uh sharon doesn't go with them right she she stays this is when we get the scene after that of the of her talking to the the other woman and saying hey like this stuff is going on and uh zemo and the boys head out they get on his his plane, which we forgot to mention the first time they were traveling places. Yeah. He's, he's just, you know, got a plane that they're flying around in. Uh, I thought it was great to his, I don't know, Butler on the plane. Uh, you know, he says, he's all like, Oh, so good to have you back, sir. And he's like, you know, if the food doesn't pass the smell test, you know, pass it over to, uh, to Bucky and Sam. Uh, what, 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 uh, we also got to see him dance too. We forgot to mention that too. He was dancing at one, that party that they were throwing <laughs> with, the, with the paintings and stuff. There's already a, a Twitter account that's like the a 30 second gift loop of him dancing just to different songs. <laughs> I gotta find that. I gotta find that. I can say, I, I, I like just found it this morning and I, I like tw- retweeted one of them, but it's, um, or maybe I liked. I don't remember what I did anymore. Um, it's called. The account is literally called at Zemo Dancing Two. Looking just... it up now. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, yeah, I gotta follow this account. Hold on, uh, <laughs> Logan. What was your What was your thoughts of? Uh, we we kind of covered Sharon there, but you know, there Zemo is seemingly turned a corner, right? He was he was funny at, during yeah. this episode. He also had I love the line too when he says he feels he's invaluable, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they just tell him to shut up or whatever. We get him with the great line of the you know you know if it doesn't pass the smell test, give it to them. I also loved when he made like tea and and snacks for them the last time they get on the plane, and he's like. Mm-hmm coming over to them, bringing it, and he's uh, like a smile on his face, and I was like, look at this, Zemo. Uh, it's just so much fun. A- any other thoughts on Zemo and his plane or anything with those scenes? Yeah, I think it's just going to be funny as, you know, as you start to get some of these characters back in, which we'll get to, but, um, you know, that that see Zemo and are like, what the hell, guys? <laughs> Why did you free? And, he's, and then they're friendly with him, so... You know, at first they kind of push him around, like Sam kind of shoves him at times, like go, like you need to follow us. But and then after, at the end, of, it is he's he's a funny character. Um, he it kind of reminds me of the way that like they all befriend, like at, sort of like they they like Loki at the end because Loki kind of does the same thing where he's like, I'm still bad, but I've got a funnier soft side too. So that's kind of who it reminded me of. But it, the way it's pretty much like I'm a terrible person, but I'm charismatic. Yeah. And people are yeah. like, yeah, you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's not forget he exactly. blew up the UN, like they said. Yes. But okay. um which leads us into this when right when they travel to Latvia and we get uh the flag smashers are in Latvia as well, and they're stealing 
you know, stuff from the Global Rep- uh, Repatriation Council storage facility, which has months and months of food, as Carly points out. And she actually, uh, they steal all the stuff. She, she kills a few of them, and her buddy's like, what? There was people in there. And she's like, well, this is the only thing they understand. And this is what I feel like always starts to happen in these shows and movies. Uh, it's kind of a trope where the person starts out really good, and then they get they get uh, like they have good intentions right a little power hungry and then they then they start blowing things up and people are like what are you doing and they're like well yeah. this is the only language they understand right it's, yeah. it seems to be a common thing going around here at times uh and i was like okay you had me carly until that moment that was uh, mm-hmm. like i understood you know okay they they have food you want the food because some of these people you know it look all these people came back 6 months ago from five years missing, of course, it's going to throw everything off and there's not going to be enough food or, you know, whatever. And people are going to be starving and have issues. And she wants to help those people out. And uh, then she decided to kill some of them. Right. So kind of brutal there. But we do get Zemo, uh, Bucky and Sam looking for Carly and uh, they're going into this building and Bucky's like, I'll I'll take a walk, right? I'm going to take a walk. And he recognizes these tracking devices in the streets that are from Wakanda. And he confronts one of the door Melage. I'm not sure how to pronounce this name. I was trying to find it. It was like, it's a Y O. So I'm guessing a O or I O. Yeah. I O usually. Uh, who says, hey, we want to get Zemo because, you know, he kind of killed King T'Chaka. Uh, so, you know, hand him over. And that's where the episode ended. And uh, if, if people don't re- remember this member of the Dora Milaje, she was in Civil War. She was actually the one, like, accompanying T'Challa throughout Civil War. Uh, she had a confrontation with Black Widow, like, a speaking confrontation with Black Widow, not like a physical one. And she's been in Black Panther. She was in Infinity War as well. And uh, really good to see they, they brought her back here as well. But, you know, she understand, understandably wants Zemo. And, Matt, I ask you, how does Bucky get out of this, right? Like, Bucky has some sway with the Wakandans from his time as White Wolf, uh, you know, in Wakanda. How do you think he gets them to agree, like, we need Zemo for uh, another few days? Then does he hand him over? What do you think his deal with uh, the Dora Milaje and Wakanda is going to be? That's a a good question, because I'm almost on the opinion that he might not really have one or even make one. It might just end up being a, a hurdle they have to go through, because... Comparing their situation to Bucky's and why they hate Zemo, and I, I feel like in similar as to why Bucky doesn't prefer Zemo or Sam doesn't prefer Zemo, the Wakandans are very, very big onto their king, and obviously him killing King T'Chaka is is probably one of the biggest crimes that anybody commit could commit against the Wakandans, and I, I just don't. I don't think he ends up with a deal. I don't think there's a way he goes, hey, let me have him for a couple of days. I think to an extent, it was the only part of his plan when he broke him out that he probably had no, he was just going to have to try no to thought about the yeah. fly. He just was like, I know once he comes out, because I actually did think the ending scene was really cool. You know, he sees the little beads and you're like, okay, like, well, what is that? Like, because he doesn't just want to go for a walk. I don't think he was just like, I just want to go for a walk. He just needs he some fresh air. Yeah, like, he sees the first one, and I was like, I honestly didn't really think too much as to what it was. I was like, I was like, what, you know, what could that be? Like, is it somebody else? I thought they were explosives at first. Yeah, and then he grabs the second one, and I was like, okay. And then you hear the music. I thought that was really cool. Like, you start hearing the Wakanda music again, and I was like, okay, because that music's so awesome. And I just like his reaction. He's like, I was wondering when you guys were going to show up. And to me, that made it seem like he knew at some point this was going to be a situation, but he has no plan yet. He obviously he hasn't talked to Bucky or he hasn't talked to Sam about it. Uh, they're definitely not going to talk to Zemo about it. It was probably like that back part of his brain going, we need to get this done as quickly as we can, because I know that Wakandans are most likely going to know he's free 
and they're going to come after us. And there's really no, I, I just don't see how you can make a middle ground for what Zemo did. And even though Bucky has some pull with the Wakandans, I just, I, I can't see there being any type of deal he can really strike other than try to keep them at bay on his own, possibly as long as he can until they figure things out. And then at that point, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. They'll probably try to grab a hold of Zemo or kill him. But I, I just, I don't think he has any, I don't, I don't think he really has any idea. I think this is one thing that worried him and, he's going to have to figure something out because I just don't see them finding a compromise uh, for, for Zemo and what he did to King T'Chaka. Uh, Logan, any thoughts here on how Bucky gets out of this? Um, yeah, I think that, honestly, I think that Io will probably, I think they'll, they'll have an altercation. I think that she'll actually be hunting them down, um, kind of on the run from each other. It seems like, Marvel does a good job of that, even though they're two, you know, good guys. I think that they're they do a nice job of setting up even some rifts between the the two. I just don't see how Bucky gets out of this one unscathed because he, I mean, they took care of him, they took him in, they they fixed him. Uh, she probably had a big part of it, and then he goes and does this, um, and you know, kills the leader, um, and then you start to wonder too because. You know, unfortunately, because Chadwick Boseman passed, you you start to wonder what elements of these stories eventually starts to pick up on the fact that maybe T'Challa is no longer around or or dead or something's happened. And, you know, and Bucky, you know, you kind of wonder when this is going to start winding into one another, because I think that you're going to get some setup, possibly with maybe some Black Panther 2 stuff just because of next year's movie coming out. Um you know, I do think not not anything crazy, but I do think you're going to get some some Wakanda stuff because we haven't seen it in a while, um, and you're kind of picking up the pieces from the blip and and seeing the different pieces, and they weren't really a place that was covered too much um, at the end. So it was, you know, you really start to wonder what happens with with Black Panther, um, and then you know I think that Bucky just something's going to have to happen. I think Bucky uh, is going to have to deal with the fact that he needs to hand over Zemo, but I don't know how that's going to go. Maybe Zemo just escapes because that seems to be something that he can do and, and Loki's done before. So maybe Marvel goes that direction, but it's very interesting. I loved, like Matt said, the music at the end gave me chills when I heard it. I was like, Oh, so she was watching them. Cause it always seems like the Wakandans are, are just watching like they're there and they know, you know, they're, they're kind of in the shadows just watching to make sure that things go right. Um, and they're ready to, you know, come out of the shadows whenever they need to correct something. And it just gave me chills. It was really cool. Yeah. The music's really good because you never know, made the music, right? Ludwig von Gorenson who, or Ludwig Gorenson who does, uh, the Mandalorian music. So he did black Panther. Um, I, I, th- okay. I'll be the optimistic one here. I think that, uh, I, I think they should see, the, I don't know. I don't want to say the light, but you know, they want, they'll, they'll want to, I think they'll see the, okay. For the good of the world, we have to, you know, Zemo's the only one that can help right now. And I think Bucky will be able to broker some sort of deal here. And uh, to wrap it up here, let's just get to really like the only scene we got of John Walker and uh Battlestar, right? Uh, Lamar Hoskins. They get to the prison, and uh, they they know that they're they're trying to see Zemo, and uh, he escaped. And they're like, "Oh well, you know, Bucky and Sam visited that day too." And Lamar's like, "You don't think that they broke him out, right?" Because it seems to be that John is insinuating that, and he's like, pretty much like, "Yeah, I do think that, right?" Is the gist of it, and. Which I think is funny because he kind of looks down on that, but then later on in like their only other scene, he's like, you know, we're going to like Lamar asks him a que- Lamar asks him a question like about the the method they're going to do with this, and he's like, I don't care how we do it. They like they won't care how we do it, just that it'll be done, right? So it almost seems like he's already making that turn from I was by the book to now 
I'm going to do whatever I want, right? <laughs> and if I get the job done, they'll they'll like me. If I don't get the job done, they won't. Uh, any thoughts on that, Matt, on, on Walker's appearance in this episode? Um, I, he, I feel like his appearance, on, for me personally, his appearance just, it kind of made me not like him even more because he feels like he's going, he's not taking the same viewpoint as obviously Steve Rogers, which he obviously, he's not trying to be Steve Rogers, but I, I don't, I don't personally enjoy the witch hunt. I feel like he's going to be trying to put out on Sam and Bucky over getting the, the flag smashers dealt with. Like, I feel like that's where we're getting to where he just feels he's, he feels like it's more right to, to deal with these two guys who are clearly going against what I, I would say maybe the government would want to it. And with them breaking out Zemo, like it, it, to me, it tells me a lot that, like, that's his first thought about it. You know, Lamar doesn't have that same thought. I And I I also wasn't a big fan of his interrogation techniques, you know, when they get to that hideout at the start of the episode. Oh, like, yeah, that, that scene, yeah, right? yeah. Yep. Like, I, I th- that was never, that, that, Steve Rogers would never have handled a situation like that. Would he have used force? Yeah, he would have used force if needed. But, like, the way he just goes after the guy... And and he, you can just tell there's like something, something in his motives is more than just like I'm gonna try to be Captain America. It's like he's gonna want to. It's almost like he's overcompensating, and he's doing it in a, an incredibly poor manner. I guess is maybe how I would say it. Yeah, and I will say like when I read this storyline in the comics, it was, uh, Lamar was always the one that was more sympathetic always was the one that would take the higher ground and wasn't as crazy as, as, as John when he was cap. So I do like that they continued that characterization over here. Uh, but yeah, we even get the line from the guy that we, this is the guy from the last episode that was housing Carly. You know, he says, you Americans have become such like brutes or something. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, he just kind of storms in there and he's, it was not cap at all. Right. Right. Logan, not very, a real cap look for John. No, cause cap, I mean, when caps cap, when he is not the dark shadow that he has to become, he, he's very by the book. I mean, by the book, but in a way that he's professional, he's very professional. He's very charismatic John's kind of got like a temper. Um, he, he seems to, you know what it is. He's he's obviously living in a huge shadow. He's he's got a temper, and to be honest with you, you, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. I think that eventually these two somehow get into that that serum that's still left over somewhere. So, you know, I I think that you, you see a very frustrated uh, new cat because he. He's just not able to do the old things that the old Cap was, and and nor should he ever. I mean, Cap was the strongest Avenger, um, in 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 a way that you know his character just seems to bounce back even when he's down. Um, whereas John can't. John gets frustrated, and you can kind of see it, uh, you know, on his face. And <laughs> and Lamar, I think this is just more of like, uh, kind of like, dude, calm it down. Like this isn't this isn't going well. Like I don't think this is going well. Um, and he, but he's just kind of a yes man. So I, you know. It is. It's 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 weird to see a cap that's frazzled because our cap, you know, over those years never seemed to be shaken. All right, let's uh, I guess we can wrap it up now. Um, Any last thoughts on any of this episode, anything we forgot or missed or where anything you want to say, Matt, before we wrap it up? I almost hearted our conversation when I was hitting on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I love the episode. I, I just think they've done so well going episode to episode, and it there it just there's something about this show that has been a different kind of breath of fresh air than WandaVision was because I'm watching it without thinking I have to focus on every tidbit that happens. 
instead of just like enjoying everything that's happening. Cause I felt like with WandaVision, it was a little bit more of a mind game and you had to try to think about more items, which is fine. And I enjoyed it, but I've really just enjoyed the relaxed nature to an extent of how the story's being told where I'm just kind of like, yeah, like they're going to start kicking ass and we're going to fight. And, and, you know, there's the little comedy thrown in and it, it's fun to watch, you know, two people bicker with each other again. So I, I've just really enjoyed that aspect of it. Even though I've loved both shows, I've, it's, it has been kind of nice watching a show where I don't think I have to theorize on possibly every little thing. And instead I just get to watch, you know, great Marvel actors in a really great show. Before I pitch it over to you, Logan, I do think with WandaVision, you probably could also sit back and, and not think too much. I think I think the issue was like I don't know how much mystery there actually was with that show. Like I feel like a lot of people were really just jumping the gun on a lot of that stuff. I don't know why, but I really do think they were that uh then that became like the hot thing to do, right? Was oh, what's your theory on this? So it's not like it was lost or anything, um, you know, which was a show that usually has that. Uh, but I agree. It is nice to have, like, this is why they were probably uh, launching originally with this show. You know, it just is a Marvel film each week pretty much. And, I can see why they would want to why they want it to have launched with this and would have in August of last year if it wasn't for COVID. Uh, Logan, any last thoughts here? I can't believe that we're halfway through it. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, but, yeah three, um, three episodes gosh. left. Uh, it's so good. It is. It, you're like you said, Jordan. It's a Marvel movie every week. It's just an hour long, um, which I'm totally okay with. Uh, and just keep giving me more content. I know Loki's coming up soon, so I'm pumped about that because I think it'll be similar in, in the way that it feels uh, as far as like a movie every week. But this is just the characters. Uh, I, I love Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I love Sam. I love Bucky. And just really developing the characters that tend to that, that didn't get as much of the limelight with a bunch of the other guys around. It's It's a great show. All right, if you want to give us your feedback, email us marvelplusrecaps at gmail.com or Twitter at T-O-Infinity-Saga, facebook.com slash infinitysagabeyond. And we will catch you next time when we break down episode four of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Go watch the new Black Widow trailer that came out uh, right before we start recording this on Saturday if you haven't seen it, because uh, that's what I'm going to do as soon as we're done this. So go ahead and do that, and we will catch you next week.